thanks so much for joining. How are you doing? Doing great, Randy. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. And thanks. Uh, we're doing a quick trip to Rome. So uh, the last minute, you're uh, <laughs> kind enough to change. because we're, we're flying out tonight. So that's why we're doing it on a Tuesday as opposed to a Wednesday. And you're even extra kind because you're out at San Fran at the Moscone Center for the uh, big Art Day event. So you, had to, you get, had to get up extra early. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Looking forward to this. Awesome. Uh, so anyway, so everybody, welcome to episode number 81. Uh, really psyched to have Nick Oberhuber, VP of America's Sales at Britannix, lives in New Jersey. And uh, today we are sponsored by Outreach. Uh, my uh, outreach plug is uh, uh, this week, uh, sponsored by Outreach, first and only engagement and intelligence platform built by revenue innovators for revenue innovators. Outreach allows you to uh, allows you to commit to accurate Salesforce forecasting, something that uh, is always important and frustrating. Uh, replace manual processes with real-time guidance and unlock actionable customer intelligence that guides you and your team to win more often. So, um, and certainly used by a lot of um, sales community advisory board folks. And when we get to talking about that, I know you had uh, used it uh, previously at Corelight. So. Definitely look forward to your uh, insights there, but certainly a fantastic company who's a uh, gold sponsor of sales community. Uh, for those that are members of sales community, thank you so much. For those that are not, uh, Tucker can maybe post. We've got a uh, three-year membership going on right now, and it is salescommunity.com slash June Free. And uh, we have Tucker behind the scenes, so thank you, Tucker, for being the wind beneath our sails. Uh, as a reminder, we have also our title today is Building an Early Stage Startup, which you certainly have a, uh, a lot of experience with. And um, I was trying to think back, um, I actually looked on, on LinkedIn and we actually have 974 mutual connections. So uh, when I do recruiting, usually it's, you know, yeah, actual mileage varies, but, you know, if it ends up that there's 100 or less, you know, connections, Generally speaking, it means a person's a low performer. If it's you know kind of 400 or more high performer, but certainly you know anywhere near a thousand is uh, is is uh, really really good. So uh, that's an uh, interesting data point. But I just was trying to think too. I think we first met at HP about 12 years ago when you came over from the three-part acquisition, right? Yeah, that's right. We uh, <laughs> I remember it uh, vividly. Actually, we had a QBR down in Naples, Florida, at the uh, beautiful home of Chris Riley, who was my manager's manager at the time. And, uh, and, and I've been hearing about you and you were leading sales for overall enterprise at HP. And, uh, and someone introduced me to, to you. And, uh, and it was a great, uh, great first meeting. And, and that kind of kicked off, you know, I think it's been 20 years of, of relationship here. And, um, uh, just really been fun working with you. Um, I had heard about you at EMC as well. So, um, uh -oh. but yeah, we uh, immediately got right into sales strategy and talking about uh, accounts and, um, you know, and then we stayed in touch through, uh, I was at Actifio and with your good friend, Jim Sullivan. Um, yeah. So it's been, been great uh, knowing you, Randy, and actually revised that's 10 years, but uh, anyways, who's counting? All right. There you go. <laughs> pleasure, pleasure's all mine for sure. Uh, so when uh, working with Nick, don't always work with uh, all of our guests, but I can totally vouch he's a great sales exec, great go-to-market leader, huge friend of the channel, uh, certainly very hands-on, 
And uh, I, I, I got to say, you know, judging from a lot of your companies, you have a real knack for picking, picking some great uh, companies for sure. So I should maybe uh, kind of follow you along and try to make some uh, investments. And uh, as a result, you're, you're obviously, uh, you know, constantly been a, uh, been a builder. And uh, I'll be talk, you know, talk more about your background and the companies, but certainly, uh, you know, amazing track record for sure. And uh, most importantly, I'd say probably a great husband and great father of two. So why don't we uh, jump in and maybe tell us more about your professional background, including starting at a, a company probably nobody heard of called PowerSoft. Yeah, so uh, um, that was my my first uh, my first job in tech. Actually, I was living up in uh, New England. I went to UMass Amherst, and uh, so shout the out zoo. to all the UMass folks out there. The zoo, um, great yeah. school. R Riley's son fun. actually just yeah, Riley's son just actually uh, transferred there to play football. <laughs> oh wow, awesome! He's going to have a great experience. UMass is a <laughs> fantastic school. Um, so, uh, yes, I uh, went to UMass and then got out, uh, got into uh, healthcare. And a friend of mine from UMass was working for PowerSoft. And he was like, hey, man, you got to get in on this tech thing. You know, you should do this. And uh, he got me an interview uh, to work the phones back uh, at PowerSoft. We had uh, so much demand that people were calling up and asking, like, hey, how does this work? How does that work? Et cetera. And so nice. they were looking to expand the team. <laughs> yeah, that unfortunately doesn't happen anymore. But uh um, you know, we were getting thousands of calls a day and I was one of the folks fielding calls and qualifying the prospects and trying to understand their pain and use case. And um, so that was really fun. And from there, you know, I was uh, inbound, then went to outbound, then went to inside closer, then out outside closer. They moved me down to Manhattan where I still I don't live in Manhattan anymore, but uh, I live out in Jersey. But uh, um outside closer and then uh went to emc that was a uh, a watershed uh, moment for my career uh learned a ton worked for bill hogan who you know well uh at emc um learned a ton about sales and discipline and process and um and then uh went after that uh, started my startup career and first uh, uh first startup was uh, blue arc then uh mm. three par um, well, I'm going to have to remember then Actifio and uh, 3PAR. I also worked for HP, but uh, then Actifio, uh, then Cohesity. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say Cohesity. Yep. No, go ahead. Yep. Then Cohesity. Uh, and then I got into um, security sales, which is what I'm doing now. And I was the head of global sales for Corelight uh, for a couple of years. And I've been now at Fortanix for about a year, eight months. Oh, great. In uh, Cohesity, you had a whole kind of, uh, I don't want to say hornet's nest, but uh, <laughs> a few things going, right? You had uh, you had the East, you had Fed, you had Canada, you had EMEA, right? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I kind of started, there was really, I think, uh, two people on the East team when I started, and... <laughs> We had to recruit, uh, you know, I think I recruited and hired over 60 people. Um, and I started up, you know, first the East, then federal. And I had some some good friends join me uh, on the mission. Um, we got uh, New England, uh, federal team, uh, New York, several people, um, and then also hired in uh, in Europe. And, you know, when I was doing Europe, I had had no experience at all. And I learned that uh, similar principles apply. If you get the right people, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> it makes all the difference. 
Um, and so we got, uh, you know, was blessed to have some incredible people join me in Europe and we had explosive growth and I think Cohesity continues to experience fantastic growth. And yeah. In, in, uh, in spite of an interesting CEO. Mohit is one of a kind, uh, for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. he's been uh, a mentor and friend to me and, uh, you know, um, much love for Mohit. Excellent. There you go. All right. What about telling us more about Fertanix? Uh, I think you're the first leading edge encryption company and it's uh, kind of, I guess, you know, kind of high level. I look at it as a uh, kind of really modern version of, of encryption, which is so important these days. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the neat thing as I was looking around for uh, for my next challenge, you know, I was uh, in, you know, I was in security, but I had, you know, a foot still back in the the kind of storage and backup days, and I looked around, and uh, actually Mohit uh, is the one that introduced me to uh, Ambuj Kumar, um, who's wow. the CEO of Fortanix, um, so that was uh, uh, great and. Uh, we had a great discussion about you know what's possible and why is encryption so important right now and if you look at you know data privacy laws they just continue to uh you know there's more and more of them all the time you've got in, in europe kind of started it out with gdpr and then schrems too and uh and then new york you know uh, uh now you have regulation in california and new york and several other uh states um and so the privacy laws just keep getting more stringent all the time. And really, it's all about making sure that the data cannot be stolen and misused. And um, in the encryption game, what you're really trying to do, all of encryption, I'm uh, sorry, in, in security, all of security is about protecting your data. And encryption is the foundational piece of data protection. And so we are able to yeah. help companies protect their data wherever it lives, in the cloud, in SaaS, on premise, in the data center, um, uh, wherever it lives. And uh, we're able to do it in multiple different ways. We have a platform that gives you uh, the ability to encrypt, to, to do key management, to tokenize, uh, to do secrets management. and. Uh, in the way that most other encryption companies have come up, they've had to build separate pro or acquire in many cases, separate products for each of those categories. And we do it all in a single product in a single pane of glass. Uh, uh, doesn't matter where the data is living, you know, in the cloud, in SaaS, on premise, um, you get a single way of reporting on that. And um, so it uh, and it's all API first in the sense that we we uh, you know support DevSecOps uh, very well. Um, so people that uh, you know want to build encryption directly into their applications, they can do so with Fortanix. That's great. Uh, who do you usually sell to? Kind of what decision maker levels? Yeah. So you know um, in the big banks. So we sell you know. Um, to kind of Fortune 2000 and above mostly, although we do have some up and coming startups that are very interested in our product and then some uh, you know, financial institutions. Um, but mostly uh, we sell to the big boys, uh, Fortune 2000. Yeah. Um, so depending on the vertical, if you're looking at uh, you know, the massive retail or massive banking, um, or uh, they have dedicated cryptography teams. Um, and cryptography is 
so important these days that that the CISO is aware of you know data privacy and cryptography and what the plan is and huh. uh, because the CISO needs to understand kind of the regulation and how they comply and what they're doing and um, so we can start at the CISO level and we're out here at RSA and we're meeting multiple CISOs. Um, but then we also meet with cryptography experts and they're sometimes senior vice president, sometimes vice president. Um, and then if you look at companies that are a little less regulated, it's often the security architect that we would start the conversation with. Gotcha, so kind of security architects, cryptology folks, and usually those are all under kind of a CISO. Yeah, it's all in the, we are a security first company, so we're selling mostly to the security organization. I would say that cryptography is an infrastructure security product. So occasionally, yeah. if it's a smaller company, we might be selling to the CIO or the CTO. Um, but Got in it. larger companies, it tends to be in the security. But we end up having to convince the uh, development teams and the cloud teams that this is the right platform uh, for them as well. Oh, great. And then uh, what can you talk to relative to the size uh, in terms of number of customers or revenue or bookings uh, at all there? Yeah, we're still private, so we don't necessarily go through the revenue, but we've got about uh, 150 co uh, companies on the platform. Uh, we do deploy our product in a number of different ways, which is great. You can uh, consume it uh, as physical hardware equipment that you deploy in your data center. You can also consume it as VMs, uh, you know, uh, software that you deploy on VMs in the cloud. And we also have a SaaS platform, uh, which is deployed in 15 data centers around the world. And it is a very popular offering. It feels like the world is is really leaning in on SaaS in a major way, and anything that that companies can do to help their customers uh, consume software without having to install a piece of equipment, set it up on their network, get you know the right permissions, uh, yeah. all that stuff, uh, makes a company's lives much much easier, and your time to value for a company goes way uh, down. Um, uh, so anyways, uh, yeah. those are the three ways that we deploy, but SaaS is by far our most popular. Yeah. So assume that you're kind of the motivation, you want to have the reps to sell the SaaS, but a lot of times the trick is, you know, kind of a one-time license or kind of on-prem deal is a larger deal, SaaS is smaller. So do you kind of motivate the reps through the comp plan accordingly? You know, uh, for us, uh, SaaS and uh, on-prem are similarly priced. Um, okay. You know, uh, and, you know, in many cases, the, uh, you know, it's customer, you know, chooses because for whatever reason, they may have a compliance department that is really strict on wanting to control their keys. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the SaaS is a better uh, deployment methodology. It's faster time to value for the customers. Uh, and so all the salespeople are really motivated to sell the SaaS. It's the right, uh, you know, it's the best way for them to get the next order, to, for them to drive customer satisfaction. Um, and, you know, if it takes you a while to deploy something, then you can't get to that next order. Um, and so all the salespeople are well in tune with that. And, and that's where we're focused. Great. And, uh, and I know you said you sell to the, the big boys and girls. Uh, any, you know, customer kind of in particular you may want to tell a story about? That's a good question. 
Um, you know, one of the uh, wonderful organizations that's chosen to, uh, um, uh, you know, bet on Fortanix, and they've done so a couple of times, but we have a public uh, case study with them, is uh, Goldman Sachs. Um, and they had a uh, challenge where um, they were looking to uh, take data from their on-premise data lake and move it into the cloud to back it up. And as soon as you get data into the cloud, uh, you know, it absolutely needs to be encrypted across the board. And uh, so they selected Fortanix. Uh, we were able to deliver a unique client-side encryption solution that allows them basically, as they're flowing the data into the cloud, to encrypt all of that data um, uh, so it can live in S3 in an encrypted state. Um, and then also intelligently bring it back down. Um, so it can go up encrypted, down decrypted, um, and uh, we've written a joint blog with them, and uh, you know they're uh, they're happy with the solution, and uh, we're really excited about wow. the partnership. That's great. Yeah. So for those that aren't that familiar with selling to Wall Street, typically, you know, they're all great, and you know everything else, all, all the accounts, but typically Goldman Sachs is definitely the gold standard. Probably the hardest account to get into. So the fact that you have them, number one, is huge. And typically, they don't do public references. So the fact you have a public reference, so that's re really amazing. So congratulations for that. Thank um, you. Thank you. Yeah, it was hard fought, but they cool. are uh, an amazing company with, uh, you know, some of the brightest folks, um, uh, you know, and they take technology really seriously. And so it's uh, always, I always feel like the friend to the younger company is, uh, you know, is people that uh, really understand tech because then they trust themselves to make a good decision. Yeah, they wouldn't, otherwise it's, it's a risk, right? I mean, it's, a, it's amazing. So on the uh, yeah. uh, side, kind of talking about competitors, it seems like you've got an amazing product market fit and you're definitely unique from companies that I know of. So do you actually really compete or have competitors? You know, we we uh, do compete and we overlap with several companies um, out there. Um, but when we get into deals often, uh, you know, if, if it's a uh, cryptography savvy group um, and the decision is being led by the security team, we do tend to uh, um, have great success in, in uh, a, a, you know, getting adoption from those folks. Um, and the product is just very differentiated, you know, as, as I was mentioning, kind of the, the a lot of the competition might do one thing really well. Maybe they do, uh, you know, key management well or they do yeah. tokenization well or secrets management well. Um, but, you know, maybe they don't have a, as good an API integration. Um, and so what we give the customers is this platform that gives them the ultimate flexibility to, you know, go in this direction or that direction. And. Uh, it, you know, and, and they just love that, you know, that, 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 you know, they can satisfy their development team, they can satisfy their cloud team, they can, you know, it, it's, as we had a, a customer uh, tell us, it's for the first time in security, I can say, yes, yes, you can, yes, you can. And, and that was, uh, Fortanix was, was able to deliver that for this customer. And, uh, and so he was a rabid uh, sponsor of ours and uh, continues to be a great uh, reference. Uh -huh. That's great. So last question for Tanix, then we'll move on. We're getting some great questions. Um, so what's your uh, commercial? If you're talking to a recruit, uh, what do you say? 
You know, I think, uh, you know, Fortanix is just a great place to work. You know, we really believe in kind of radical transparency and replication, um, you know, so people helping people and people being honest with each other. And, and, and um, so it's a great culture. Um, you know, we uh, um, it's it just a great company. The product market fit is, is uh, you know, right on point. The market is moving in our direction. Uh, we have, you know, the top names in the industry using our product. Uh, so there's a lot of market validation for the product and the functionality. Um, and uh, so a uh, great place to work. And, uh, you know, and I, I think we've got the right attitude too. you know, startup people in, uh, on the sales side that understand what it takes to do this, uh, been there, done that. And, uh, you know, what it takes to be successful and, and that it's a, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, uh, you know, um, so I think it's a great place for people to come and, uh, and, uh, jump on a, a rocket ship. Awesome. And, uh, great answers. Thank you. So for those that are, uh, posting comments or questions, thank you so much. I, I promise we'll get to them. Uh, a couple I just want to highlight is a uh, shout out to Cohesity and Activio, Activio Vets. It says LinkedIn loser. I'm sorry, LinkedIn loser, LinkedIn user, sorry, LinkedIn user. <laughs> <laughs> <Freudian slip. laughs> uh, so anyway, so sorry, don't, don't see, see, see what your na name is there. And then uh, Michael Madden says cross domain encryption is hugely important uh, in growth industry with the advent of cloud migration and the fact you are crushing with Goldman Sachs speaks volume, totally uh, violent agreement. So we're moving on here to our topic, uh, which fortunately the uh, questions fit right into it great. Uh, so building an early stage startup. So why don't I maybe start off with some of the questions that we have here. Uh, so one again from the LinkedIn, uh, a LinkedIn user says, uh, hey, Nick, Randy, can you share your primary qualifiers to a successful startup rep? Awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, the first thing I would just say about, uh, you know, startups and, and I'll hit that question is, you know, um, and you know this, Randy, I think, you know, uh, from, from your interaction and, um, uh, and you know, uh, the things you've done, um, you know, startup uh, is really, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, and, you know, you need an incredible team, you know, to, uh, to, to make it work. You know, and it's all about the right people. You know, it's a full contact sport. You got to get into it, you know, with, uh, you know, it's emotional, it's uh, intellectual, it's, you know, solving things that have never been solved before. It's dealing with, uh, you know, um, building something that, uh, you know, for the first time that's never been done. And there's not necessarily a roadmap. There's guiding principles, but it's not an exact roadmap for how are we going to tackle these next things. Um and so the way I think about, uh, you know, startup uh, salespeople, you know, there's a few things that, that um, you know, they really need to embody. First of all, they need to be that kind of put me in coach type of personality. You know, I want to be front and center. I want to control the customer's buying experience. Um, I want to, you know, sell both externally and internally. Um, you know, startup salespeople uh, can be, transformative to the business uh, because they bring together the you know smart people inside the company and the smart people at the customer they create that intimacy 
that um, allows the company to grow and build. And, and, you know, there needs to be trust between the customer and the company developed so that you can get the right set of features that end up transforming the company in the future. Um, So I'm looking for those transformative uh, salespeople and the, the traits that they tend to have are they're above average technical. And that's an important trait because um, in order to, to you know get trust from your customer, yeah. the customer needs to believe that you understand them and you understand their pain. And, um, and so that's an important one. We also need uh, salespeople that are quite curious, that really want to understand things. Um, and, uh, you know, why is the customer doing this? What's the business problem that it's solving? What's the pain points? Um, you know, why do it now? Um, wh- you know, why is it important? Why don't you like the product you're using today? Um, you know, what features do we have? What features are we missing? Um, and uh, so curiosity is a, a, a real important one. Um and, you know, that's all it's really, you know, uh, as I was saying before, I want people that want to control the customer's buying experience. Um, great salespeople really want to um, they're control freaks in the most positive of ways. They want to control everything related to their customer's experience. And so, um, you know, having that controlling element, they want then to control it. You got to understand it. So you need to understand why the customer's doing this, why, uh, you know, why this technology can uniquely solve the problem. Um, so really look for that. And, you know, of course, I look for if I can get them great uh, startup experience. Um, but I've also taken risks on folks that uh, that haven't had as much experience but really exhibited that, uh, um, you know, the, the other elements, curiosity, you know, uh, um, and building relationships. Uh, um, so those are some of the things that I'm looking for uh, kind of in the great salespeople. Got it. Great, great I've had some amazing, sure. I've, I've been lucky to have some of the, uh, you know, I feel like most incredible people in our business uh, work with me and it's just been such a pleasure. Uh, some of the guys like Tom Mess and AJ Vecarelli and Chris Eng, Stefano Pirovano, Paul Shatless, Steve Richard. Um, and I've got a bunch on the team uh, today nice. that I'm also really thrilled to work with. But uh, uh, those are some of the folks from my path, the uh, past that I've uh, worked at multiple companies together with and had so much fun and had so much success uh, together. That's good. And then uh, I won't rehash what you said, all great points, but I think one of the nuances of selling internally is the note being able to talk to product management or actually engineering, right? To understand the product and the fit. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, that's kind of a a brain cycle that uh, I find folks are not uh, really that used to. And then what about the importance of uh, uh, having customer relationships, right? Because if you can get any of those first at bats and have pre-existing relationships that that can help a lot too. Right. For sure. Uh, just to comment on, I think you're spot on with your assessment of talking internally and it is, it's interesting because people's instinct, you know, when they're dealing with people internally is that, Hey, they should just know this or they should be on board. And, you know, you can kind of think about this idea that the salesperson, you know, in, in the world of a salesperson, the customer is God and everyone else is downstream from God. And if you take that too much to heart, 
then you miss the way to sell internally. You have to enfranchise your internal sponsors just like you have to enfranchise, you know, your customers um, because, you know, they have other things to do. They're, you know, sm very, very smart people in some cases um, that have created amazing value out there. And um, and so you need to, you know, qualify well. You need to understand why someone's doing something. You need to give your internal sponsors the benefit of why this is important yeah. to do. It's not enough to just say, oh, the customer wants it. So do it. Um, yeah. So uh, I think you're making an excellent point there. Um, yeah. And sorry, sometimes I lost too, it's hard. It, it, yeah, yeah. It's hard. Sometimes I find too, it's harder to sell internally than the customer. Sometimes the customer is the easy, easier sell and internally trying to get engineers. And then sometimes engineers could say, oh, no, well, the customer is stupid. They don't realize they should do this. They should do that. And I'm like, well, guess what? Yeah, they're the ones signing the check. So maybe we should listen to them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there, there, there's, you know, there's the carrot and stick internally as well, um, you know, but, you know, I always feel like when you bring the parties together, you know, and then, uh, you know, the internal folks can see how smart the customer is and the customer can right. see how smart the internal folks are and people understand what the motivation is, why, and you know, why it's in their interest to do it, then a lot of magic happens. Totally. And uh, another question we have here is, uh, what are the differences from a uh, uh, large establishment company rep versus a small company? Uh, and yeah, not just maybe talk about the, the, the rep, but kind of the differences that you see between kind of bigger company and smaller company. And you had a, sure. uh, you, you had, I guess the uh, only big company, you know, some of your smaller companies got bigger, but you know, HP, I guess would be your one big company experience and everything else was, was smaller. So you've got a uh, uh, good perspective. Sure. You know, it's, it's interesting, you know, I, I would describe it this way, Randy, and you'll, you'll, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. You know, a great day at HP was I was able to roster a few counts from one person to another person. That was a great day. Um, you know, a great day at a startup was, you know, I was able to close a deal at Goldman Sachs. Now, uh, it's not that it wasn't good closing deals at HP. Of course it was. Um, but that was almost easier than some of the internal stuff because there was a lot of hard barriers. Um, so your ability to have an impact at HP is in a smaller swim lane than it is in a, in a smaller company. But that comes with its pluses and minuses. Uh, the people that thrive at uh, small companies really want to add uh, uh, value and create value in a lot of different areas. Uh, in yeah. a big company, you've got a lot more structure. Most of the stuff has been figured out. So you come in, you do your job, uh, and it's well-defined, and you know what success looks like because your manager can say you do these three things, and you're good to go. In a small company, success is not well-defined. Uh, it could be selling you know, 500000 It could be selling $5 million. We don't know yet. We got to figure all that stuff out. And, you know... In a big company, your product is going to do 90% of what the customer needs, most likely. Um, and the customer is going to have some relationship to it. They're going to know, you know, it does these things and it has this reputation yep. and these people are using it. In a small company, they don't know that stuff. So you need a salesperson that can really help them understand and have customer empathy um, to help them understand why this product is the right product. Um, and get into minute detail 
uh, because engineers who buy this stuff need minute details. Um, yep. And so we need people that are in the smaller companies, value creators. In the bigger companies, you can kind of surf the value. And I don't mean that in a negative or derogatory way. There's people that are, yeah. you know, terrific salespeople in bigger companies that thrive in that environment and can maximize it uh, in a way that's different than in a small company where you've got to you've got to help form the product. You've got to help understand the market and form the market to some extent, right. uh, you know, and the customer relationships. You got to create that customer intimacy um, because those customer relationships, the early ones literally can make, uh, you know, or break a company. Yeah, totally. Uh, in that kind of, I've kind of done big, big and small and at the you know, big companies, I'm always amazed. You have the people that, you know, whether it's, you know, individual contributors or leaders that will kind of, you know, bitch about things. And like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, you know, you know, all the help and support that you have, like all these pre-sales teams, you have all these partners, you know, you're at a smaller company, you're doing your chief cook and bottle washer, right? You are the technical resource. As you said, you are the, you know, you are the partner business manager. You are the proposal person. You, know, you can go on and on and on. Like, you don't realize how good you have it. But at the same time, as a sales leader, I'd always try and bring some of those best practices from smaller companies. And I would say, you know, HP or wherever, uh, hey, you know, we're doing some things, but there's so many great best practices that everybody's doing. So let's figure out, you know, how can we share and cross-pollinate so if you're happen to do, happen to do something, you know, you know, great in the in the Northeast, okay, how can we share share that with somebody in Southern California and vice versa? But kind of this notion of continuous improvement and sharing a lot of times gets lost at a big company. We're at a small company. That's what everybody thrives on, right? Totally. You, you're looking for threads. You know, in the beginning, it's the wild, wild west. And you're slowly, you find a thread, you pull on it, you find more success, you find another thread, you pull on it. Um, you know, in, in my experience is usually you have uh, someone that figure, you know, you, you're lucky enough to get a great salesperson early and they figure it out. And then you're like, ah, all right, that's how we do it. And then you start, you know, everyone and you start doing that and more and more. And then, you know, you, you know, it starts out every deal's a snowflake, then fewer deals are snowflakes. Then you start having a repeatable sales process and all that takes time. Um you know, and, and, you know, people that are value creators that figure it out. And then you can start to, to, to find the common threads that ultimately lead to that repeatable sales process. Yeah, that's great. So we have another question. Uh, hi, Nick. We've worked together in this at Startups 3 par and Cohesity. Great to see you here. Can you speak to the importance of sales reps becoming more proficient than ever in their product, uh, the competition and the customer's business, uh, especially in the context of a startup? Yeah, I bet that's uh, Chris Eng. Uh, great to hear from you, Chris. Um, yeah, Chris. And thank you for that question. Um, <laughs> he's one of the uh, the greats from my past uh, that I've worked with. Um, so, um, awesome. just guessing. And by the way, if, it's if it's not Chris, feel free to say who you are, so we give you credit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go, go um, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you know. Um, you know, and Chris actually uh, came, if it is Chris, uh, it, he came from the SE side. And one of the things that I've, uh, you know, learned doing startups for a while um, is uh, one of the backgrounds that is extremely impactful in a startup is people that have come from the technical side. And again, I think it's, um, you know, as the market has gotten more crowded and there's more and more companies in this, 
in the space. The customer, you know, it's interesting. You walk around RSA, you know, there's some, I think, 2000 exhibitors, you know, and imagine being a customer and trying to sort that out on your own. Um, you know, they really need someone that can guide them and hold their hand through the buying process uh, that they can trust and that they can bond with. And um, and so and it just continues, you know, there's so much money in technology that, uh, uh, you know, the investment continues to be big. Um, and so you know, uh, great startup salespeople uh, really need to understand their product, their market, their industry, their competition, uh, you know, why they can help transform the customer's, uh, you know, uh, you know, pain into a positive. Um, and it just, you know, more and more that that background of, of really understanding and being a trusted advisor to your customer is critical um, as the competition continues to scale and the investment continues to scale. Awesome. And I'll uh, give, give you I'll, I'll plug my book, your go-to sales advisor, Tucker. Maybe you can uh, put up the link, uh, salescreening.com slash book. Uh, so I've got a bunch of uh, great sales leaders that contributed, including Nick. I think you kind of touched on it. Uh, anything else you would, would highlight? You've got a great write-up on building trust with your customer. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for writing that book. It's uh, I, I uh, actually... This is right Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I love the book and uh, I, I got some terrific nuggets, uh, you know, uh, out of that book. Uh, you know, uh, one of the great forecasting nuggets in there, you know, why buy my product? Why buy it now? Um, uh, you know, um, was one of the things that uh, I was reading in there. I really liked. Um, but anyways, um, simple, but right to the point, um, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I was kind of touching it on with uh, with that last question, uh, but building trust with the customer, particularly in a startup, is absolutely critical. You have to build customer intimacy and you have to, you know, it takes some courage as well. You have to ask the difficult question, you know, why are you um, choosing my product? Why not do this with another product that you know better? Um, and you kind of test your champion to understand, you know, do they know why they're doing this? Because sometimes as salespeople, you can think, oh, we have a great relationship. Maybe it's the relationship that's driving it. And, you know, what I've discovered is the relationship will open the door. Um, but then you have to have a lot of substance uh, behind that. And you really have to be an expert in your product, your industry, your competition, um, the other ways of solving the same problem. And um, so anyways, uh, um, I think those are the things that I was trying to get across there that, you, you know, challenge yourself to know your product, know your, your customer, um, know your industry, uh, because that's the way that you will get trust from uh, the, um, uh, the customer. Gotcha. Awesome. And um, uh, if we talk about sales tools, I know you had used outreach before, and I think you... Uh, like your words where you consider it the gold standard? Yeah. Um, you know, for uh, for the BDR team, you know, uh, that's doing outreach and putting uh, customers in email sequences. I think that outreach is, you know, they, they, they pretty much wrote the book on it and we used it very successfully at Corelight. Uh, it's a terrific product. I think that people that are thinking about that, I think that's one. And I know that they've expanded their product line beyond that. Um, but uh, we used uh, primarily the uh, the email uh, outreach or the, the email sequencing, which is really 
a powerful tool. You know, uh, if you send one email, you get no engagement. If you send two, you, you maybe you get a slightly higher, but it's when you get into three, four, and five, and they really wrote the book on on doing that successfully and why it works. And uh, so, a great product for folks that are building yeah. uh, an outreach, a team that's that's, that's, that's reaching out to customers. Yeah, there's a great uh, AI company called Data Robot. I'm a uh, investor and uh, advisor with, and uh, they've got kind of one of their internal write-ups is uh, it's a, uh, outreach uh, we use as a great sales engagement and prospecting tool to help organize our tasks, set prospecting cadences, and increase outbound me- uh, messaging volume. Uh, and they kind of have that on one of their uh, kind of key, key go-tos as they're uh, onboarding reps and making sure they're inspecting reps' behavior. Uh, what about uh, examples of any great sales leaders you've worked with and why? Great sales leaders that I've worked with and why? Um, so I have, uh, you know, worked with some terrific sales leaders. I consider you amongst them, uh, you know, always challenging, you know, what else uh, can we be doing in this deal? You know, and, and sometimes it's on the technology side. Sometimes it's on the partnering side. Um, I remember uh, an early lesson from from Bill Hogan. I, I learned it. He was he was my uh, kind of uh, second line manager at a, a very formative time in my career. I think I was late 20s, early 30s. Um, and uh, two experiences that, that are sort of seared in my mind from Bill. Uh, one of them was... Uh, um, if you have a meeting with a customer, if you will, the cost of a customer meeting is a crisp follow-up thank you email with next steps and a little bit of a, you know what you uh, talked about in the meeting. Um, and he was you know super passionate on that topic and I use that every day. I always challenge myself, if I'm meeting with someone, I'm sending them a follow-up uh, thank you note with what was covered and next steps. And then the other thing you know, I was a young, brash kind of salesperson back in the day uh, when I encountered Bill and, uh, you know, thinking that I had all the answers and I had put forward in a QBR. Here's my forecast. I was number one you know, rep on the team thinking this is going to be a cakewalk. And uh, and then Bill, you know, proceeded to uh, help me understand that there were some things that I could be doing better. And, you know, he was a big believer in alliances and uh, using your alliances and your uh, partners of, of all types uh, to understand, you know, are you ahead? Are you behind? What else are they looking at? You know, kind of yeah. get a, a much better picture of the customer uh, and what they're doing. And that always stuck with me. You know, don't assume that because you're, you know, the customer singing sweet nothings in your ear that you're ahead or going to win. Make sure that you do the work and engage your partners uh, to help you. And, and it helps in every element, you know, where should I price the deal? Uh, you know, what's their buying cycle? You know, have, have they bought anything like this before Did the other partners? So just a, a wide variety of different things that you can learn. Um, and you always want to be learning. You don't want to be doing these deals in a naked, you know, alone type of fashion, win together, lose alone. That's great. And, uh, uh you know, other guys, I mean, you know, I, I just other other people that I learned a lot from Jim Sullivan, Roger Marvini, Mark Paranello, um, Chris Riley, Ash Ashitosh, who was the CEO of Actifio. We just had a wonderful partnership. Um, Mohit Aaron, um, some of the uh, other folks that uh, have been uh, influential in my career. Awesome. Get, get, get them all in. 
So uh, I know you've been on the road, obviously, and uh, you leverage partners. I think I saw that you're at a golf event uh, with the Partner Set Solutions. Uh, you're with GuidePoint Security at Gillette Stadium. So great to know that even though you live in New Jersey but grew up in Cambridge, you're still a Pats fan, I believe. Uh, also, you're with that I Key am. Factor. You're uh, at Key Factor in, in Dallas. So, uh, it, uh, and then also, I think, uh, but, and I know several others, so I won't go through the whole list, but uh, obviously partners are key to your go-to-market motion. Yes, um, and I've been incredibly blessed uh, in the last two companies to work with a guy named Scott Horde, who uh, has helped me uh, build up a channel in the last two companies. Um, and uh, I, I believe, and I, I, I learned a lot of this from Mark Perinello um, and uh, some of the, the leadership at Pure uh, Storage as well, uh, just about if you're building a company and you want to build to scale and you want to build quickly, channel is key to uh your strategy you, you have to embrace the channel um you know and the channel isn't always easy and so the sooner you get going with it and the sooner you embrace it the quicker you're going to get to critical mass you know yeah and you know you might start out with you know one or two percent of leads coming from the channel and where you're ultimately going is something like 35 to 50 percent um of leads coming from the channel but you have to invest and uh, and remain committed, and uh, and that's what we're doing here at Fortanix. Um, and by the way, I, uh, I report to a wonderful leader here at uh, Fortanix, Joe Hold. Um, I'm having a great time working with. Um, but uh, um, so um, yeah, I'm all about channel, and uh, and you know the channel more and more actually as the larger companies are getting squeezed out in the public markets, they are looking for the right uh, startup products that they can take to market and bring value to their customers. And what we're hearing a lot from customers is that you know the innovation is taking place in the startups, not in the big companies. And so they are you know more and more as they want to protect their companies from harm are looking to the startup community. And so the channel is embracing startups uh, more than they have in the past. Um, so it's been a, a symbiotic, uh, wonderful process. And, you know, I love the guys that set solutions, the team at GuidePoint, who was just at a GuidePoint event last night. Um, you know, uh, yeah, and we have lots of partners, Optive, Layer 8, uh, you know, a, a variety around the, uh, the country. And Awesome. Uh, very cool. So we're uh, just about done here. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, if nor Ron, he would ask you, and you've already said some uh, said some great things. But any other uh, PG stories uh, about any of our experiences? You know what I've enjoyed so much about working uh, with you, Randy, is there's no pomp and circumstance. Uh, you know, there's no you know no BS. Uh, you tell it like it is. You give great advice. Um, and, uh, um, you know, and, and you're a regular guy, even though you've accomplished so much, uh, you know, um, uh, in your career and, uh, and you care about people and, uh, you know, that matters to me and we didn't work together all that long, but, you know, we're still, you know, connected and, and working together and, and doing things and, and, uh, you bring me good ideas. You help me, uh, get better at, at my craft. And, uh, so thank you for all that. And, and thank you for having me on. 
Thanks. Really, really appreciate it. Very kind words. And, uh, you know, sales community is kind of one of the ways I'm trying to, uh, you know, give back around healthy, helping people learn more, sell more, network, and uh, appreciate you being on the advisory board for sure. That's a great product for those that aren't members. Jump on board. Uh, sales community is, is really a building a community of, of like-minded professionals, uh, both in large and small companies and exchanging best practices. And, you know, no one no one person has all the answers. You know, it's it's really a community that helps us uh, rise to the peak sure. of our game. So thank yeah, you for doing absolutely, it. Absolutely. Well said. Well, you've been uh, fantastic. Really appreciate it. So uh, thanks to Nick and uh, thanks to Outreach for being our sponsor. Uh, next week is going to be episode 82. Uh, excited to have uh, Andy O'Brien, who uh, is uh, now CRO Open Legacy. He's got a uh, fantastic uh, past career uh, early on EMC and uh, running some uh, key business units that they, as they had grown. And uh, his topic is uh, something you're passionate about and touched on uh, called Building Trusted Relationships. And uh, we're going to have uh, Alexander Group as the sponsor for that. So, uh, all right, everybody, uh, Tucker, uh, make sure this gets posted. So for those that have seen it and want to share it, feel free. Uh, we usually get uh, within the first week uh, between kind of 1,000 and 10,000 views. So certainly something that has a good following. And you can also go to the uh, sales community site. Uh, we are booked out every week now, actually, through July of 2023. So uh, July of next year and uh, have some great folks lined up. So uh, Nick, really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy RSA and uh, thanks for getting up early and uh, thanks for fantastic wisdom and look forward to continuing to watch your uh, amazing success. Thank you, Randy. And say hi to Andy O'Brien for me. Great, uh, great sales talent. <laughs> Definitely.